You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. In this podcast, we will be diving into the series, The Bait of Satan, with Pastor Robert. Uh, we're going to laugh a little bit tonight, too, and uh, that, that'll be all right, won't it? Somebody say amen. Is that all right? To laugh a little bit. We are in this uh, teaching on the bait of Satan about having the spirit of offense and uh, we did not meet last week because of the revival. I believe this is either the fourth or the fifth uh, lesson that we've, we've looked into. Again, how many have struggled with being offended? Huh? All right. Amen. Now, how many raise your hand that you were just now lying and you didn't raise your hand, right? Amen. Um, so I want you to go to 2 Timothy tonight. Chapter 3, verse 7, and the title would be Hiding from Reality. And uh, I know I have read this verse before, but man, it just kind of grabbed a hold of me, and I want to share it with you here tonight. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let me read it again. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Father, we ask that you would just bless tonight, God. Lord, that you would open up our spiritual ears, God. Open up our hearts. God, let us examine our own selves so that we can better, become better, in a bitter world, God. Help us to rise above any circumstance that comes our way. In Jesus' name, and amen. It is possible um, to be a perpetual student and never graduate. Think about that. Somebody one day told me they was in the first grade three years in a row. <laughs> Uh, you need to seek to find God's truth and, and God's will for your life. Knowledge, I'm not downplaying knowledge, but we'll learn something here tonight. Oftentimes, people ask the question, when should I leave a church? Or when should I leave a ministry? They ask, how bad does it have to get before I leave a church? And just to be honest, if we ask for a hand show, probably the majority of people in this room at one time or another was planted in another church and you've left. Is that right? Would, would you be honest? Huh? Um, so now let me ask you the question, when should you leave, and we got microphones, when should we leave a church? How bad does it have to get before we leave a church? Anybody want to share? I didn't leave until God released me to leave. Oh, you're a brown noser. You just... <laughs> I stayed. He's no. top of the class. He had to get no, the answer. No, no, I stayed. That's right. For 12 to 14 months. Yeah. And you can ask my wife, it was not good. We were beat from the podium 
Yeah. And it was not good. Yeah. But I stayed until the Lord said, and we were on our way to Florida, and I was driving, and I said, Cindy, and I smiled great big. I said, I feel like the Lord just released us. Yeah. And we called immediately. Well, we can go home now because of the message. <laughs> the lesson is over. <laughs> huh? Now, listen, don't get me wrong. There is definitely times to leave a church. And not that you need my permission to leave this church. I can promise you that. But there's some things we can learn tonight. How there's a different season in all of our lives. Um, question, who sent you to the church that you attend right now? Who sent you here? God. Man, I got a smart class tonight. Got a smart class. Um, most of the time, if you ask somebody that, they say, God led me here. God sent me here. If God sent you, don't leave until God releases you. Do you hear me? There is different seasons in all of our lives. And many years as a pastor, as any pastor, a pastor can be hurt by people leaving, okay? And I, probably 20 years ago, I was sitting in Captain D's in Charleston with Pastor Wright, and he reached over and he took a bottle of ketchup. And he said, you see that bottle? He said, that bottle is the bus. And he said, the bus only has one driver. And he said, along the journey, that bus stops. And don't take it personal when somebody gets off the bus. He said, hopefully, they were able to help you, and hopefully, you was able to help them. He said, now, what happens before the bus pulls off? Somebody else gets on the bus. And he said, hopefully, you can help them, and hopefully, they can help you. And I never forgot about that. Now here's the thing, if God calls you to leave a church, then why don't you let your pastor know why you're leaving? Do you hear what I'm saying? That way when you see him in the mall, you don't have to duck. Or when you see him, you feel like it's that camel going down through your throat. There's different seasons. If the Lord how difficult does it have to get, we heard 12 or 14 months. If the Lord is silent and the Lord is not speaking to you, now I should have said something else. Not only leaving a church, but how about leaving a job? How about leaving a relationship, a friendship, whatever it may be, if God is silent, then maybe you shouldn't leave. Can someone say amen? So don't change a thing until God speaks. When God does instruct you to leave, how will you leave when it's time? When God releases you, how will you leave? Anybody know? Anybody? How will you leave? Mike, hold on. We got a microphone coming. Here. I would say gracefully. Gracefully? Okay. Somebody else? Pastor Rita, bring, bring the mic here, Aaron, please. So she can 
speak into the mic. Uh, I think that before you leave a church or relationship or whatever, your heart will leave long before you do. Mm. And uh, I think I encourage people when they come to me, I tell them that whatever they leave, like if they leave a church, to leave on a good foot. Mm -hmm. because leave scripturally, go to the pastor, because anything built on a rotten foundation won't never grow. It'll never last. Yeah. Yeah. When she said the heart leaves first, it may, I think about Pastor Wright a lot. Pastor Wright said, Brother Robert, you may not know this, <laughs> but the people's money is going to leave six months before they do. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you he's dead on? <laughs> He's dead on. So no matter what the condition of the ministry, you need to leave in peace. A peace. Here's what Isaiah 55 and 12 says. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Here's Pastor Aaron. He's driving to Florida. He'd been beat up for 12, 14 months. And he looks over and what he say he did? What'd he say he did? Smiled real big because he'd been released. There's been a couple relationships in my life that I've struggled, but there comes a place in time where you get peace and you know that you know that you know. Amen? So to leave uh, with an offended or a critical spirit it's not of God. It's not of God. And unless, here's what I teach, and I think I forgot this the last time. My goodness, don't let me forget Lanny and Sabrina at the end of the service, all right? That just come to my mind, all right? But I normally teach this at the membership class, and, and I think I forgot it the last time, and, and we brought in 38 members, I believe they're about three weeks ago. If you're coming in from a church the best thing that you can do is sit down and get healed, get filled, get to know people, let people get to know you, and let God raise you up. Does that make any sense? So to leave with an offended or a critical spirit is not the plan of God. How many's left upset? Not just in a church, but at a job, in a relationship, whatever, you leave and you burn that bridge. We burn too many bridges. Amen? Amen. Again, there's different seasons in life. Uh, it's reacting rather than acting on God's guidance. A hand show, how many have a problem in reacting? Anybody? I get it once in a while. For the majority, I've come a long way because I get tired of going and apologizing. <laughs> Anybody want to share any kind, whether, and I hate to almost open up this door. Please don't mention names and other pastors and churches and the whole situation. We don't need to hear that. But how many, is there anybody that could share and say, hey, pastor, I learned something from leaving with a critical spirit. Is there anybody? Anybody at all? <laughs> Nobody wants to open that can of worms, do they? That might be a good thing, all right. Somebody, somebody say move on. 
Romans 8 and 14 says, for as many as are what? Led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Notice that it does not say, for as many as react to difficult situations. These are sons of God. My mom and dad, I was raised in a Methodist church, and in the Methodist church, you might have a pastor six months, you might have him six years, you might have him 15 years. When the conference rolls around in June, pastor goes, he comes back, he said, I've been moved. And they brought some in that was unbelievable. One was arrested at one time, one moved his girlfriend in to live uh, in the church parsonage, and mom and dad never left because they were led there by God and they wasn't leaving until they was led by God. Mom was the choir director probably 50 years. Dad was Sunday school superintendent and led worship uh, for just as long. They was involved in everything, but they did not leave. Uh, when I opened in uh, this church, when God opened this church through me in 94, I never asked mom and dad to leave. Mom and dad wasn't going to leave. I think it was 18 years later, my mom looked at my dad and said, Bob, I ain't going back. I'm going to Jewel City. And my dad said, but Annie, that's where all of our friends are. My, dad, my mom said, I didn't say I was going away with our friends, but it's dried up and God has released me to go where the spirit of the Lord is. And I'm telling you tonight, if the spirit of the Lord dries up in this place because we become just so worldly and complacent, you got my permission, pack up your Bible and go somewhere where God will feed you. If you believe that, give God a great hand. Amen. Almost every time the word son, let me go back here. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are what? Sons of God. And almost every time the word son is used in the New Testament, it comes from two Greek words, technon and huis. And we're gonna learn what those two words are tonight. A good definition for technon is one who is a son by mere fact of birth. Robbie is technon, he's my son. Cody is technon, he is my son by mere birth. As a baby, when you walk in as a grandparent or a friend and they're in the nursery there in the hospital, they got to have their name on each little cradle because you probably won't be able to identify. But as they begin to grow, someone just a week or so ago said they looked over and my son Robbie was sitting there. They had no idea he was my son and they said, oh my goodness, that must be Pastor Robert's son because he has taken on my characteristics. Do you understand where I'm headed tonight? So a good definition for the word technon is one who is a son merely by birth. Uh, so we find technon used in Romans 8 and 15. Let's go there. 
For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Children means technon. We are the technon, we are the sons of God. Now, if we jump over to John chapter one, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the what? The sons of God. Once you receive him, he gives you the power to become the son of God, technon, even to them that believe on his name. So now the other Greek word translated sons in the New Testament is shuas. Many times it's used in the New Testament to describe one who can be identified as a son of God because he displays the character and the characteristics of his father. Which one are you? Which characteristics do you display? To put it simply, the Greek word technon means babies means immature son. The Greek word huis is most often used to describe mature sons. Now I've had this on my mind for a couple weeks now and I wanted to do it because I like illustrations. And I don't mean to bring any disrespect to anybody that needs what I've got in this bag. And I'm being as honest as I can be. For two weeks, I've been wanting to go to the store and get this. And I thought to myself, self, I don't want to go in that store and buy that. Because they're going to look at me at the register and say, most people know me around here. So, and, and I just kind of let it go. Somebody say, let it go. But today, I think I heard from the Lord. So I called Pastor Aaron on the phone. <laughs> ah, here we go. I, he, he said, hello. I said, mighty man of God, didn't I? Mighty man, anointed man of God. Is there any job too hard for a man of God? Is that what I said? And I started laughing. No, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. There, there for about 30 seconds, he didn't respond. I said, are you still there? And he started laughing. So I gave him his mission. I was reading the other day and I heard someone say that the apostle Paul, when he was mentoring Timothy, he didn't say, now Timothy, do you want to go up to Target? <laughs> Paul said to Timothy, I charge thee. <laughs> so again, I don't mean any disrespect because there's different seasons in our lives and I'm not using this, but when you have a critical spirit when you have a spirit of offense on you, it is uncomfortable for you, but it's more uncomfortable for the people that are around you. 
If you want to find something negative in this church to pick on, you will find it. Because we are not a perfect church because you showed up. That made it imperfect. So do you want to walk, have you ever seen... Some people always have a mess in their pants. Always. Oh, I'm being funny. Don't tell my wife. She's in the kids' church. She's probably going to have to do this sooner or later anyway. Always critical. Always got a mess in your pants. Steve Pentine, put that cell phone away. I'll be on Facebook before I get out of here tonight. Always upset. Oh, we're laughing. We're having a good time. Why don't you be honest for a few minutes? I'd like for you to get serious, but that's kind of hard right now. You get a mess in your pants, gets a little bit uncomfortable, doesn't it? But when there's a mess in your pants, it affects everybody that's around you. How do you react? How do you react? Why don't you take that mess off? Huh? That's as far as I'm stripping down, I can tell you that right now. It's just a funny illustration, but it's true. How many people are you making uncomfortable around you? How many people don't want to be around you because they can smell your mess? You're always mad. You're always critical. Don't take nothing and you fly off the handle. Run from place to place, from friendship to friendship. Here you are, you're 50, you're 60, you're 70. You're still walking around with a diaper on, making a mess everywhere you go. I don't hang around people like that. I'm being honest. I don't. I want people to encourage me. I don't want to have to walk on eggs around nobody. I've been here 28, almost 28 years and I ain't leaving till God releases me no matter what comes, no, what, no matter what devil or demon walks through that door, no matter how critical people are, and they are. And Pastor Carey just told me in the past week, and I love this, I'm telling you, she said, don't take criticism from somebody you won't ask advice from. Huh, I thought that's pretty good. You must have read that in a book somewhere. Put it simply, the Greek word technon means babies or immature sons. Anybody can be honest and say, I got a problem flying off the handle. Anybody? Wow, I appreciate that. Amen. Well, hopefully tonight you'll find some help. That's what this is all about. That's what this whole lesson, this whole series is to make us better to help us to look inward. It's not always the other person's fault. 
I'm telling you, it's not. We get mad over nothing, nothing. The Greek word huis is most often used to describe mature. You ever see a six foot two year old? Have you ever seen a six, why are you shaking your head yes? You ain't never seen no six foot two year old. Okay, all right. It's a process. Growth is a process. Cody was almost six foot when he was two years old. And his legs hurt him all the time because his legs was what? Growing. How do we grow? We grow through our pain. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons, Hewis, of God. We can see clearly that it is the mature sons who are led by the Spirit of God, not those led by their reaction. How many's ever reacted wrong in a situation? Hold both hands, both feet in the air. Most often they react or respond when we do that out of emotions. It's not God's will that we remain babies. And growing is painful. Another illustration come to my mind. When Robbie was a little bit younger, a whole lot younger, at the football field, and I'm sitting on the bleacher behind these two young guys, and here come Robbie running up through there, and they had been bullying him. And uh, they didn't know I was his dad. And one said, I hit him high, and you hit him low. Hmm. I didn't react real good. I said, whoa, whoa, hey, 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 buddy, you know who I am? These are the minors too. Probably 16 years old, I could have probably went to jail. Nobody here would have bailed me out. <laughs> and I said, he said, I said, you don't lay a hand on him, the two of you. Now, if you want to fight him, you get in line. And I'll go down underneath the bleachers, and one at a time, you can fight him. That boy said, well, I'll go get my dad. And I said, you get your dad, your grandpa, your uncle, your next door neighbor. I didn't react the way maybe that I should have reacted. I don't know. You would have reacted that? Yeah, you'd have clawed his eyeballs out, wouldn't you, Joan? You'd have done the same thing. Yeah, withdrew. Anybody else been in some, some situation like that? It's tough for a parent, tough. But what about the other situations where it's not really a major threat and we want to run to them and we want to interfere? Growth comes through pain. Some 40-year-olds still struggle to deal with reality today because mom and dad always swoops in and picks them up. Anybody have that problem with your older children? A lot of lying in the house of God tonight. <laughs> it's not good that we remain babies. Growing is painful. The baby thing is to run out of the job the first time somebody tells you you're doing something wrong. The baby thing to do is leave a church the first time somebody says something that you don't like. I called somebody by the wrong name one time. They got mad. 
500 people. I got three kids, can't get their names right. <laughs> Being serious. What is that? That's immature. They got a mess in their pants. I wanted to say that. <laughs> Maybe you need to change your diaper because you got a mess in your pants. Think about that. We've all been guilty with something in our life. Immature Christians are less likely to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. Immature Christians will always most generally follow the leading of their reaction, of their emotions, of their intelligence. Most often they react or respond in a way that is not pleasing to God. Think about this. Physical growth is a function of what? Time. Time. I quit going this way and started going this way. I've been here too much time, maybe. No two-year-old I got ahead of myself has ever been six feet tall. Is there anyone in this area in here tonight that can share something that you look back now and you receive growth, but it was pain? Anybody? That you can look back and see that the pain in your life actually brought growth to your life. Is there anybody? I'm not getting a whole lot of help tonight, am I? Yes, sir. Bring him your mic, please, Pastor Kerry. Um, when, when Brittany and I first got together, we, were, uh, we weren't tithing like we should have, like when we first got married and everything. And um, we were having a lot of uh, financial issues, and we uh, just decided, hey, we, we, uh, we didn't know where we were going to pull the money from, but we just had to pull it, and uh, we did. And, um, I mean, it turned out now to, you know, where I was able to buy her a car, and, mm -hmm. and, and we were able to buy a house, and now we got these two beautiful kids, and and everything else now, but that's just because we come, you know, because we decided, hey, this is what we got to do. We got to give the God and do the proper right. things. And and now, I mean, we're sending Jameis in the children's church to to tithe over there, and he talks about <laughs> it all the time. So it's just it's just a great blessing. But I gotta say something. If it wasn't for me chasing <laughs> this one right here. <laughs> I, w I wouldn't be here. I mean, she brought me to the old building over there, 2013. Yeah. Dave Palmer used to call me at 10.30 on Sunday morning. Hey, Brittany came and told me you weren't here. Where are you at? Mm -hmm. I'd get out of my bed at Clarksburg, buddy. I'd run down here. <laughs> so. It's changed your life. Yeah, it has. So, Amen. anyways, I appreciate you guys. Amen. Love you. Anytime somebody in a service like this gets up and speaks positive about tithing, other people think pastor planted this one. <laughs> Anybody else want to share something? Because that, that was helpful to somebody tonight. Yes. Well, I never grew up in church or anything. My parents were always working and doing this right. Um, so they would send us to VBS and everything, and then as I got older, I pretty much was a good child the whole time. And then after my sister and her husband was killed, I went through a phase where I just drank and did 
you know, just didn't even know where I was half the time. And that didn't last very long because it just wasn't me. Even though I was never in church, I always believed in God. And I knew that, you know, it wasn't God that took, you know, my sister or her husband. Just a bad thing that happened. And uh, so I joined the military. And then I, I didn't really join church until I met Mike. And we tried a couple. And then now... You know, we tried a couple of the churches, and now we've been here for several years, and we have our kids going. So I'm putting back what I didn't have in my life, in my life, and in my children's life, and praying that, you know, I just continue and that my kids continue to go to church even after and do the right things. So. Amen. 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 Intellectual growth, that is a function of learning. Somebody say learning. Spiritual growth is a function of neither time nor learning. So how do you get spiritual growth? Anybody know? Excuse me? Praying? Reading the Bible? Holy Spirit? Somebody else? What is it? Oh, I'm sorry, you already got yours on. <laughs> you cannot outsmart a smart aleck. Somebody else. What is it? Spending time with God. Godly men and women. And I don't think any of those answers are wrong. It's not what I'm looking for. What? Trials. I still didn't hear you. Trials. Trials, yeah. The word I was looking for, not that I coined it from the bait of Satan, is obedience. Somebody said it back there? You did? Awesome. Now I know why Glenn married you, because you're so smart, right? <laughs> Amen. Obedience. Um. Let's look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 4 and 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Let's read it again. For as much then as Christ has what? Suffered. How did he grow? Through sufferings. For us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with what? The same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Hmm. Sin loses, and I read this in my side notes, sin loses its power to defeat us in our suffering if we focus on Christ and what he wants us to do. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you gotta stay focused. And I'm speaking to myself again tonight. A person who has ceased from sin is perfectly an obedient child of God. Obedience. He is mature. Choose God's way in your life and not your own way, and you will not walk around with a mess in your pants. Do you hear me? 
Just as Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered, we learn obedience by the difficult circumstances in life that we face. Obedience. I'm going to tell you a real quick story. Several years ago, Pastor Wright called me and he said, and you just can't tell him no. You just can't tell him no. He said, there is a prophet from South Africa and he's going to be speaking tonight at Trinity Assembly of God and I want you to be there. And I said, yes, sir. And in my mind, I thought, I don't want to go. So I went there out of obedience to Pastor Wright. And there was probably over a thousand people there and I sat in the back and nobody knows me at that time. And this man about six foot five stands up and he's from South Africa and he has this accent. And he's speaking his message and he stops in the middle of his message and he said, man of God, come here, man of God. I just sat there. I'm thinking there's a lot of men of God in this house. No, 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 man of God, you. And whatever shirt I had on, I don't, I don't remember the caller. He called it out. And I turned around and looked behind me. And there's only two or three rows back. He said, no, 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 you. There's a thousand people in the room, I'm sure. Come here, come here. And I walked down there. He said, you are a mighty man of God. And God wants to use you to win your city. He take his hand, had hands look like that. Your city. But he said, you need to release. You got your hand in everything. It was way smoother than the one I'm saying. And once you're obedient to the Lord and you let go of everything, he said, he went like this. He said, God will paint it in like a rainbow. He said, you keep getting to a certain number and you go backwards and you're trying to build Take your hand off, be obedient. And I left that night and I said, Lord, I've had enough pain trying to do this thing on my own. I'm gonna let my hands, I'm gonna take my hands off of it. I don't know if it was weeks, months. The mail came and there was a Christian magazine and on the cover of that Christian magazine was a picture of a church in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and it got my attention. And I thought, God, what are you telling me? And in my spirit, I felt like the Lord saying, you need to go to that church. So I tracked that pastor down, and I called him, scheduled an appointment. You went, you went, I can't remember, David Hudson went. We flew into... Houston, Texas, rented a car and drove a couple hours to Lake Charles, walked in a sanctuary, incredible. And I said, sir, we just, I don't know why I'm here. I like this look of this building and I'm here. And he said, I said, we keep getting to a certain point in our lives and we go backwards. And then we get to that certain point and we go backwards. And he said, that's the same thing we went through. I said, what happened? He said, well, I had a prophet from South Africa. <laughs> Did he not, Carrie? 
I think you took off running. I said, would his name happen to be Andre Van Zyl? Yeah, yeah. God sent me halfway across this nation to confirm to me that through obedience, he will bless. So we've laughed tonight. What do you have your hand on? What are you trying to control? Let it go. Quit being so hard-headed and critical. Preaching to myself. You'd think I would have learned after something like that, but I still find myself in the same problems. When we obey the word of God that is spoken by the Holy Spirit, we will grow and mature in times of conflict and in times of suffering. Even when you wait 14 months and you don't hear, some people wait 14 years and don't hear and go through a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. Stand with me tonight, would you? Our knowledge of scripture, I want you to hear this. I want to go back, I want to read this. Ever learning, hey Carrie, we're good, stay right there. 2 Timothy 3 and 7. Man, she's worked hard all week long. 2 Timothy 3 and 7. Ever learning. You hear that, Lynn? Ever learning. And never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Some people have been in church 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Been to every church conference all over the world. Can quote chapter after chapter have read 500 books on how to grow, ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Now, I'm not against any of that knowledge at all. The Bible said man is destroyed from a lack of knowledge. But knowledge is not the key. Obedience is. You can know it all. Can I tell you, the devil knows the word of God. You can know it all and you can be a know-it-all. But unless you will be obedient, you'll always have a mess in your pants. Be still. Be still. Be still. Wait upon the Lord. Even when you don't seem, like we sing that song, you don't seem moving, he's still moving. Huh? And I'm going to say this and I mean it with all of my heart. 98% of the time when there are situations, I don't say anything. 98% of the time, I know I don't. Years ago, I did. But I try to take it to the Lord. And I got that 2%, maybe 8%, I don't know, that I put a diaper on. Most of the time, when I take it to the Lord, the Lord works it out. So when you're confused, Fronted with a difficult situation, rather than responding, reacting, why don't you respond the way the Spirit of God is leading you? 2 Timothy 3 and 7, I'll read it again. They are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They learn it and they never come to the knowledge of the truth because... You don't apply it. 
And if you apply it, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. The Bait of Satan podcast series can be found on Facebook and YouTube, or you can download it on the go from any major podcast platform. Make sure to like, to share, to subscribe, and tell your friends and family about the Jewel City Podcast.